Hello, and welcome to the Destiny Church Podcast. We trust that this will be a great encouragement to you and build your faith. Enjoy today's message. Hey, today I want to take just a few minutes, and I want to talk with you about one of the greatest journeys the world has ever known. It's the journey of the wise men. And as I was thinking about that journey, I was thinking this is a journey to the center of the earth. There's a movie out called that, but I was really thinking that Jesus is the center of it all. And these wise men took this incredible journey to see this man, to see this baby. But like us, they were not only on a physical journey, they were on a spiritual journey as well. And today what I want to do is I just want to show you a few aspects of this journey that I believe are important for us as Christians today and some things that I think we can learn from them in our Christian walk today. If you have your Bible, I want you to look over to Matthew chapter 2. I want to read to you actually today from Matthew chapter 2, and we're going to look at verse 1 through 12, but Matthew chapter 2 verse 1, it says this, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem, and they asked, Where is the one who's been born the king of the Jews. We saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. Verse 3, when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he called together all the people's chief priests and the teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. Verse 5, in Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, and the land of Judah are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, and he said, Go and search carefully for the child, and as soon as you find him, report him to me so that I may too go and worship him. We know that was not his plan. And verse 9 says, And after they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it arose ahead of them, until it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Before I dive into kind of the meat of this message, I have three points I want to give you today at the end. But before I dive in, let's just, there's a couple of questions that I think people have when they read this story. So I just want to maybe answer this story and just kind of have fun with it a little bit. But when did this story happen? According to Christmas movies, nativity scenes, and church Christmas plays, the wise men Oftentimes, how we have depicted it over the years is the wise men were at the birth of Jesus right alongside the shepherds. I mean, I remember as a kid, you would have the Christmas plays at church, and the shepherds would come, and the wise men would come, and you see the nativity scenes, and you see shepherds, and you see wise men, and you see baby Jesus and Mary and Joseph. But that's actually not how it happened. In verse 1, listen to this, it says that these wise men, listen, they arrived in Jerusalem after Jesus was born. They were not there at the birth of Jesus. So they arrived in Jerusalem in Jerusalem after Jesus was born. And then from Jerusalem, then they traveled to Bethlehem. 
And in verse 11 it says that they were welcomed into a house where the young child was together with Mary. If you really begin to dig into that and translate even that word child, young child, in the Greek language there, it would have actually meant a toddler. They were coming to see a young boy. And then finally, Herod, after he realizes that the wise men are not coming back to see him after seeing Jesus, he does. He sends out and says, hey, let's kill all the babies that are two years and under because he's knowing that Jesus is somewhere in that age range from zero to two, and he says, let's kill all of them. So likely, and I'm not a Bible scholar, but likely it was sometime over six months to two years of age when the wise men came and saw Jesus. Scripture does not give a clear indication. If you, if you really dig into it, there's kind of versions on each side. But sometime within that first two years is when the wise men came to see Jesus. Who were these wise men? Well, one of the big things we always talk about is there were three wise men. There's nowhere in Scripture does it tell us a number. I think oftentimes why people have thought three is because there's three gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And so they just, each, they, each guy came with his long, you know, robe, if you remember seeing those from Christmas plays and all that. But we don't know how many, but we do know that they were magi from the east. That's what verse 1 tells us. Nothing else is really said of their origin here, but the same Greek word in the, the same word in the Greek that's tra translated from magi is the word we get for magician. A similar group of people, a similar group of men existed in the Bible. We see them in Old Testament. We see them in the book of Daniel. They were a group of advisors to the kings of, of Persia and to the kings of Babylon. And the kings would call on these men to explain riddles and mysteries and dreams and prophetic things. Daniel was actually one of these men, not that visited Jesus, but this would have been his role in the Bible. Some translations would call the wise men a PhD or a doctor. Another translation called them spiritual priests. Another one calls them a band of scholars. When you read this, it, wrecks, it reflects the idea that these were very well educated. Um, these were smart men, reminded me of myself when I read about them. Better than that, we honestly we don't know a whole lot about these wise men. But then the last one, and I don't know that I've ever really heard anybody really talk about this one much in church. Let's talk about the star. We have this star that appears, and they start following this star. Have you ever, has anybody ever really thought much about that star? This past week, I went to um, Colorado to spend a few days in prayer um, for my family, for myself, and for Destiny Church, and just praying and I don't know about you, but when you're driving through Kansas in the middle of the night, you can see the stars. There's not a whole lot out there. Um, and then, I, how many of you have ever driven across Kansas from Missouri to Colorado? Does that drive just, it feels like it's like eternity. It's like to infinity and beyond, you know. It's just like this road goes forever. But as I was driving there on Sunday night even, I was thinking about those stars, and then I would sit out on the deck, and you would see at night, and you could see those stars, and I started thinking about that star. Man, I want to challenge you tonight, tomorrow night, some night when it's clear and you can see the stars, go out and pick out a star and just try to follow that one star. Just pick out one star in the sky and just try to keep track of it and follow it until you get completely underneath that star. I mean, think about that. That's what these wise men did. There was a star in the sky, and they followed it. And Scripture says, until it stopped where the child was. 
I mean, I don't know about you, but I can, you can sometimes point out the North Star and you follow. And it just seems like the further you move, the further it moves away from you. But this star stopped right where the child was. In verse 9, it says, you know, the star which they had seen in the east went on before them until it came and stopped where the Christ child was. This star was like a GPS pointing directly to Jesus. So I want to challenge you. Go out sometime and try to find a star and let that be your GPS until it stops and you don't stop till that star stops. You'll keep walking. But I think this star was unique. Some people say that it was an angel lighting the way. Others people say it's a shooting star that was in the sky. I don't know. I think it was just a supernatural event. Supernatural in origin. But the main thing I gather from this star is, I was thinking about it this week, whatever this star was, I believe it's giving us a lesson that God wanted those wise men there and God will use whatever means necessary to get you where he wants you to go. For those wise men, he used a star that directed them. So, tonight, so today what I want to do for all of us as DCers is I want you in the next few days to go follow that star and see where it leads, all right? Just pick out any star and just start walking. No driving. The wise men didn't have cars. No driving. Just Just walk. Until that star stops. Now, let's get to what I really want to talk about today. As, as these wise men saw the star, think about that night, that day. Whenever it was, they first saw that star, and they set out on this incredible journey to find Jesus. It was an incredible journey. But there's a few things along their way that I, I don't think we've really thought about much. I'm going to give you three aspects of their journey that I believe can impact us as Christians today, that I believe should be a part of our journey as Christians. Number one, their journey was a journey of sacrifice. Traveling in their day was far different than traveling for us today. I mean, they couldn't jump in a car. They couldn't jump in a plane. You know, they couldn't last minute say, hey, I'm going to plan this trip and I'm going to get there tomorrow. This was a journey of sacrifice. As I dig into this, some suggest that where they were in Persia to where Jerusalem was, it would have taken bare minimum, this is bare minimum, 50 to 60 days moving at a rapid pace to get from Persia to Jerusalem. It would have taken that long. This is not just, hey, I'm going to go across town. I don't know about you guys, but I, I literally now in the city of Republic because it's growing and getting, you know, big and crazy and busy in here, I'm like, I am not traveling into or out of Republic during rush hour anymore, because I don't know about you, I think about losing my salvation. It's like, I just can't, anybody else feel that? It's like, I cannot move in this traffic, it's driving me nuts. But their journey was a journey of sacrifice. Their, the traveling was lengthy, it was grueling, it's probably dangerous. I remember when Tasha and I were in Israel, and we were in probably some of the area that they would have been traveling with the mountains and the hills and all this. And they talked about, in those days, they talk even today, there are bandits that like they would talk about people that kind of like camp out and try to hike and just kind of follow the trail of Jesus. And people do that even today. And they said, you have to be careful. Bandits will sneak into and out of your tent and you don't even know it and rob you blind. And they said that's been happening since those days to even today. So it would have been dangerous. It would have been grueling. It would have included their entourage because these were probably wealthy men, um, wealthy leaders, well-known. They would have an entourage of people. They would have bodyguards. They would have security. They would have, it would be this huge entourage. We don't know exactly how they traveled, but we assume they traveled by camel. That would have been the quickest and the easiest way to travel. But can you imagine setting out on a, let's just say, 60-day journey 
on the back of a camel. Can you imagine setting out to get from your house today to come and go gas station on MM and 60 by a camel? Think about that. Think about that journey. When I was thinking about that, I was thinking about our son Malik. He literally hates being in the car. And I'll be like, hey, bud, you want to run some errands with dad? And he'll be like, where? And I'm like, I don't know. We'll go get something to eat. Well, where are we going, dad? I'm like, going to Springfield. No, that's too far. You know, I mean, all of us, we feel that way. And I want to go. But these, these wise men, they go on this journey uh, of sacrifice simply to see a king, to see a baby in a manger. This journey was much more journey, much more grueling, much more taxing than going to Springfield. It was all simply to see the king of kings. And I, as I was thinking about this, I had this thought, and don't throw anything at me when I say this, but maybe I'm speaking to those of you who are online and just watching. But you know, many of us, these wise men made a sacrifice to go worship the king, right? Many of us, we don't want to sacrifice on a Sunday morning to get out of bed. And we wonder why our Christian walk maybe isn't as vibrant and as full of faith as maybe it once was. I just don't feel like getting the kids ready today. I just don't feel like fighting the traffic. You know, there's a chance of snow. And if something takes us out of our comfort zone or affects our schedule or whatever we might want to do, we choose not to go worship the king. And you say, well, I don't have to go to church. And I agree, you don't have to go to church. But there's something sacred about gathering with the body and being in a room and worshiping the King of Kings, whether it's a Sunday in December or a Sunday in June or a Sunday in January. But many of us, we won't make the sacrifice to worship the King. We go worship if it's convenient for us. And you know, one of the things I've even seen during COVID is some of our rights as Christians have been maybe wrestled with, not so much here in Missouri, but I've watched other states, and Christians have just kind of, we've just kind of bowed down to that. But no, sometimes to worship our king, it requires sacrifice, it requires energy, it requires effort on our part. And so these wise men, they start out and they show us, if I'm going to worship the king, it's going to require something of me. It's going to require some sacrifice. It's going to require some effort, some energy. I'm going to have to get up. You know what? I mean, some of us are, are, are still a little fearful. We won't come to church because of COVID. I get it. I understand. And that's why we do online. That's one of the reasons. But many of us, we've just simply stopped going to church because it's more convenient to sit on our couch in our jammies with a cup of coffee. And like I said, please don't be angry or throw things, but I think these are things the Lord has revealed to me even this year that the church has become too comfortable when we should become more engaging. And we need to make some sacrifices. And that's what these wise men did. And they, and they gave us just an incredible idea of what it means to get out of your comfort zone and to do something to worship the king. And that's what these guys did. They had no other agenda. There's no other reason. You don't see that they're going to see this baby to get something. They're going to see this baby to worship him. It was a sacrifice. And I have a question for all of you today. I have really three questions I want to kind of ask you today with each of these thoughts. Number one is this. What is the Lord asking you to sacrifice for him as 2020 closes and a new year opens? 
What's the Lord asking for you to sacrifice for him so that you can follow him better in the new year? What's the Lord asking you to sacrifice? Second thing I see about their journey was their journey was a journey of faith. It's a journey of faith. Imagine coming to a friend and saying, hey, we're going to sell everything. Or imagine saying this, hey, we're going we're gonna to load up our camels and we're going to go and all my family and my bodyguards, all of us are going and we're going somewhere. Where are you going? I don't know. Well, how do you know you're supposed to go? I saw a star. Well, I see stars every night and I don't go follow them. I mean, imagine this. Okay, you don't know where you're going. Well, how long is it going to take you to get there? We have no idea. Well, who are you going to see? Some baby. I mean, can you imagine this today? I mean, there's not a whole lot really known. And when we look at Scripture, there's really not a whole lot there. They see a star and they go because they've heard that there's a child that is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And they just go. It sounds to me a lot like Abraham. When the Lord came to Abraham and said, hey, I want you to pack up your family and I want you to go. Where are you going? I don't know. I just know that you told me to go. And so by faith, I'm going to get in my car. I'm going to get on my camel. I'm going to do whatever it takes. I'm going to take this journey by faith. God, where do you want me to go? I'm not going to tell you yet. All I want you to do today is take the first step. You know, some of us, we are so paralyzed by fear. God is asking us to take steps, and we won't step out on just a little bit of faith. Anybody out there? Christianity is a journey of faith. It's not a journey of comfort. It's not a journey of ease. It's dangerous to be a Christian, but we've made it safe. We've made it simple. Listen, we, I, think Christ, I think for Christianity, faith should be our foundation, and everything we should do should be based on faith. But we've become so comfortable, and Christianity has become so convenient and so easy that, man, there is no faith involved. I don't have to stretch my faith to follow Jesus today. But these wise men, they had to journey by faith. They had to journey somewhere they didn't know they were going to see something that they weren't really sure what it was going to look like, what the circumstances were going to be. But they did that for Jesus. And they believed. They didn't have a lot of information in front of them. And isn't that what we're called to do, to believe, to go, to walk by faith? Isn't that the journey of the Christian to go by faith? Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not yet seen. Verse 6 though of Hebrews 11. It's impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that he exists and he rewards those who sincerely seek him. These wise men, not only did they have faith, but here's the deal. A lot of us say we have faith, but our faith never leads us to action. If you have faith, what's the Bible say? Faith without action is what? So I can say that I have faith, but if I have no action behind my faith, if my faith doesn't require anything, if my faith doesn't require obedience of me, do I have faith? These wise men, they could have said, I have faith that he's there. But we're just going to kind of just observe from a distance because, you know what, I mean, that would require a lot to pack everybody up. It's kind of snowy outside. We'll just stay here in the comfort of our homes in Persia and watch his birth online. 
No, they got on their camels and they went by faith somewhere they didn't know where it was to somebody that they weren't really sure who he was. They had faith, they had action, but they also had obedience. Listen to me, faith requires obedience. Another thing we could say today, and this isn't one of my points, but their journey was a journey of obedience. It was a journey of obedience. It was a journey of faith. What, what, was, their, what was their obedience for? To go and worship the King of Kings? Go and worship Him? And today I want to challenge you. Here's kind of the second question, the second big idea I want you to get today. When Jesus, our King, calls us, we must respond to any and all challenges, any and all sacrifices, simply to go and worship Him. And so I ask you today, this year, where's God asking you to go? By faith. But it doesn't make sense. It doesn't have to. What's God asking you to do by faith? I'll tell you, just a moment of honesty with you guys right now. God called Tosh and I to plant this church back in 2005. When we came here, it was a journey of faith. There's been a lot of years, though, since that journey of faith that started this church where we didn't really have to have faith and just great things were happening. There were times when this, the numbers were exploding, money was exploding. I mean, everything was just good. I mean, everybody loved everybody and everybody loved me. And then those days ended. And there's some days. 2020 has been one of those years where you've had to get up every day and do what God's called you to do by faith. Some days the Christian walk doesn't require a lot of faith. But other days it does. And I ask you, what is God requiring of your faith in 2021? Third question I want to wrap up with this. Third kind of thing I see from their journey. Is their journey was a journey of worship. Can you imagine... I mean, literally imagine, can you imagine, get, let's, just, let's just go to modern day times. Can you imagine getting in your car today and driving from Republic, Missouri to New York City or getting on a plane and flying somewhere simply to worship? That's what they did. Simply worship. Matthew 2, 11 tells us, on coming to the house, they saw this child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down, and they worshiped him. Listen to me, I want you to hear this. After this journey that was long, and faith-filled, and full of sacrifice, you know, if I'm me, and I'm walking in to see Jesus, and see him sitting, you know, Maybe his mom's holding him at a year of age. I'm like, boy, you all should have seen this journey. You should have seen all the sacrifice. There was one night these bandits came in. I mean, you should, I mean I'm going to be like talking. No, they walk into the room. Thank you, Jesus. That's it. When was the last time you just walked into a room just to worship Jesus? When was the last time you had nothing else on your agenda other than just to worship Jesus? When was the last time you had no goal, no motive, nothing else but just to go somewhere so you could say, Jesus, you're all that really matters. 
Jesus, you're the center of it all. When was the last time you did anything just to worship Jesus? I go to church because it's my obligation. I go to church to serve, or I got some friends there, or my mom makes me. When was the last time you got up on a Tuesday morning or a Thursday or a Sunday and you said, no, I just, I just want to worship you. And that's what these wise men did. That's all they did is they come simply to worship Jesus. Very few, these, these, these wise men, I, I don't know. I don't see it really in Scripture. I mean, they would have had Old Testament prophecies and things that talked about Jesus. But, I mean, there have been other people that have been said that they were the Messiah. So these wise men are going, maybe, maybe they don't fully know who he is. Maybe they're not 100% sure. I don't know. But it seems to me, at least in part, that these wise men knew that this was the Messiah knew that this was Jesus, and they went to worship him. And the very first thing they did is they bowed at his feet, and they gave him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And you know, Scripture tells us in Philippians chapter 2, verse 10, that one of these days, every knee is going to bow, and every tongue is going to confess. Think about this. Those wise men on that journey that started some 2,000 years ago, they were the first that were bowed down simply to worship the king. And many have bowed down and many have worshiped since that day. But they were the first. And now, fast forward today, the baby has been born. He went to a cross. He died. He rose from the dead. Now he's seated at the right hand of the Father and he's interceding on our behalf. And then one of these days... A trumpet's going to sound. And those of us who know Jesus, who've said yes to him as Lord and Savior of our life, those of us who know Jesus, the Bible tells us we'll be lifted from this earth and we'll go and we'll stand before that King of kings and that Lord of lords. He's no longer a baby. And Scripture says that there will be angels and saints and people and they're just crying out, Holy, 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 worthy, worthy is the Lamb who was slain. And that's going to be a beautiful, beautiful day. But just think about that. I don't have to wait to heaven to worship Jesus. I don't have to get on a camel and travel 60 days to worship Jesus. I can worship Jesus anywhere, anytime, any place, no matter the mood, no matter what I'm wearing. I can choose to worship Jesus. And that's my challenge for us today. Can we forget about everything else and can we just choose to worship the King of Kings, the one that really matters? Nothing else. He's the one who's died for us. He, the worthy is the Lamb who was slain. I want you to hear me as I close. Worship is more than bowing. Worship is more than singing a song. Worship is more than saying, yeah, I worship Jesus. Worship involves sacrifice. Worship involves giving. Worship involves faith. Worship involves obedience. And these wise men, some 2,000 years ago, they modeled it perfectly for us today. So as I close, what's God asking you to sacrifice this year? Where's God asking you to step out in faith? And how's your worship? How's your worship? Don't you think about that? How's your worship? 
think if I just was honest, this is just Chad Blanchett, this is just me. I think if I was honest, I'd say that maybe my worship in 2020 had some highs and had some lows. There were some days where I found myself complaining more than worshiping. There were some days where I thought a little bit more, is this really worth it? More than worshiping. And I'd say if we were all honest in the room and watching online, I would say that maybe we would have to say that maybe our worship isn't what it needs to be. So today, I want all of you to stand to your feet. Thank you so much for joining us. Special thanks to those of you who give to this ministry. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. You can check out the link in the description to give or visit destinychurch.me slash give. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. We love you and have a blessed week.